When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's the podcast? Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 216 of the Sports Jack podcast. Oh, that's the Charlie Huff episode. Charlie Huff, the knuckleballer who pitched primarily for the Dodgers and the Texas Rangers in his career. At the age of 45, he was pitching for the Marlins and threw over 200 innings that year. And as a 45-year-old because he threw the knuckleball, which you didn't have to throw hard. You just had to throw it. And he won 216 games and lost 216 games (laughs) in his major league career. So no better folk than for number 216 than Charlie Huff. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! You know what? Uh, I'm going to call an audible and we're going to pivot. I think this should be co-brought to you by two people. Of course, Charlie. But today is July 1st. And in the world of sports, July 1st is Bobby Bonilla Day. It's comical. It's, oh, wow. It's, hey, remember when that happened? And cha-ching day for Bobby. (laughs) So back, Bobby Bonilla played for a number of teams in his big league career uh, and was a very good player. Number two in the MVP voting in 1990 when he was with the Pirates and it was Bonds and Bonilla. And then Bobby Bonilla bounced around. He was in Baltimore for a little bit, had some time with the Mets, went back to them in 1999, and he had a contract worth $6 million. And he was due $6 million in the year 2000. And the Mets said, you stink. We don't want to pay you $6 million. 
So Bobby Bonilla's agent, Dennis Gilbert, said, okay, we'll pay my client. And they said, well, we can't really afford the $6 million right now. But the owner of the Mets, Fred Wilpon, was a good friend of a guy by the name of Bernie Madoff. And Bernie Madoff had some schemes going, and Fred Wilpon thought, I'm going to make a lot of money from these investments, and I'll be able to pay Bobby Bonilla down the road. So he told Dennis Gilbert, 10 years from now, 2009, I'll pay your client, Dennis Gilbert said, at 8% interest. And they said, okay. He says, I'll pay your client $1 million a year plus the 8% interest, so $1.2 million a year for 25 years. I'll be able to, he's thinking, I'll be able to afford that, no problem. Well, I don't know if you follow the news or anything, but Bernie Madoff didn't really do too well with his schemes. He wound up in prison. Fred Wilpon wound up having to sell the Mets, but the Mets are stuck with the Bobby Bonilla contract. So every year on July 1st, even though Bobby Bonilla has not played a game of baseball since the year 2001, every year on July 1st, including today, Bobby Bonilla gets $1.2 million into his bank account. And that'll happen until he's 72 years old. So 15 years from now, in the year 2035, Bobby Bonilla will get his last check for $1.2 million from the New York Mets. By the way, let's put this in perspective a little bit. Patrick Mahomes led the Kansas City Chiefs to a Super Bowl. He's an NFL MVP. He makes $825,000 a year. Bobby Bonilla is a 57-year-old man living wherever he wants because he's getting $1.2 million from the New York Mets today. Bobby Bonilla, in his big league career, made $52 million while he was playing. He'll make $29 million while he's not playing because of the New York Mets. He could just do fun with banking. Oh, my goodness. Literally take that July 1st check and stick it somewhere. Pick a charity of the year, stick it in the bank again, and live off the whatever. I don't know how many kids Bobby has, but they're taken care of. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love that July 1st every year. So does Bobby. <laughs> you you may love it, but Bobby loves Bobby it more. Bobby loves it. Well, we thought we'd roll out a Sports Yak podcast because, yes, yeah, some sports stories have built up, and once they hit the top of our lid, Chuck has to pop that bad boy open like Tupperware. <sighs> well, since we've been going with baseball, uh, let's start with baseball. Okay. Because the, there are a myriad of stories going on today. Today is the first day of summer camp for Major League Baseball teams. As we record this at 10 in the morning Eastern time, Players are being tested for COVID-19, making sure that they don't test positive. Tucker Barnhart of the Cincinnati Reds has already tweeted out, tested negative, let's go. Now, players can do that to themselves. Ball clubs cannot tell you if a player tested positive for COVID. Reporters might be able to find out, but the ball clubs cannot tell you. They cannot put out any kind of report. They might say it player is on the injured list, but they cannot tell you that a player has COVID. Really? Okay. It's part of the HIPAA Act. Okay. That said, 
So the Major League players are reporting for what they're calling summer camp right now, which sounds like it should be you know held down at the Isaac Walton League with T.J. Freeby leading you in a game of dodgeball. But instead, they're reporting for summer camp. They have 22, 23 days to get ready for a season that begins either July 23rd or 24th. And we'll see what this major league season brings. Obviously, you've got increased rosters, the roster going up to 30. You've got some players who are on a taxi squad who will be working out down at Four Winds Field, Kovaleski Stadium here in South Bend. Those players, as we covered the last time, don't likely have a chance of making the big league ball club this year, but they are valuable properties. And the ball club wants to have them ready just in case they are needed. Another COVID outbreak takes out four or five players. You've got to go down to the taxi squad and bring some guys up. So all that is going on. Then you've got players who say, I want no part of this. I'm opting out. Mike Leake from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman from the Washington Nationals. Ian Desmond from the Colorado Rockies have all said, I'm not playing this year. They all have their reasons. Uh, for instance, Desmond is deep. He is biracial and deeply moved by the Black Lives Matters movement. But he also has a wife who is pregnant that he fears perhaps exposing her to COVID-19. So he says, I'm going to stay at home, do dad things, be a dad. Ryan Zimmerman has a wife who is pregnant, again, afraid of exposing her to COVID-19. Mike Leake was the first to come out. He had concerns about the disease. Didn't think the protocols went far enough. So all these players are using the ability to opt out. Now, the Cubs have two cancer survivors on their team, Anthony Rizzo and John Lester, who would be considered high-risk COVID players. Mm -hmm. They have decided to go ahead and play. They could have opted out, been paid just fine, uh, but they have decided to play. And it's every individual's decision, obviously, on this. We're seeing this in the NBA, too, with players opting out. Wilson Chandler, former Benton Harbor star, plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He was worried about, he, he was raised by his grandmother. He feels like he has to help take care of his grandmother right now and didn't, want to bring her down to the NBA bubble down in Orlando. And he's got three small kids himself. So he said, I'm not playing. Uh, There are players who have tested positive for COVID. Malcolm Brogdon of the Pacers quarantined himself. He's going to play. DeAndre Jordan of Brooklyn said, I got COVID. I'm quarantining myself, but I'm not going down to Orlando. So it's up to each individual player. The problem a team like Brooklyn has right now is they're seventh in the Eastern Conference. So if the playoffs started today, they would make the playoffs. But they've lost DeAndre Jordan and Wilson Chandler, and there's some question as to Spencer Dinwiddie, who has tested positive for COVID, whether he's going to play or not. The more players they lose, the more you wonder, is Brooklyn going to have the talent to stay in that playoff chase? Back to baseball real quick. Yes. I would like a favor. I'm wondering if summer camp will look different in any way in the next 20, 23 days. There has to be some sort of media reporter that will give us a snapshot of what that looks like. 
I'd love to hear that from you if you get that opportunity the next time we talk. Yeah, I, I will be curious as well. I'm wondering how practice changes. Like. Is mm-hmm. it longer? Is it broken up? You know, I just just curiosity. I assure you it will probably be broken up. Yeah. At least to start with. At some point, they have to be able to play inter-squad games. Mm-hmm. Joe Hart of the South Bend Cubs is hoping that when that point comes for intra-squad games, that it might be at a point where they can let fans into Four Winds Field. At this point, he has not received approval for that as of yet. But stand by, and of course, we'll let you know if that does happen. That said, here's the other problem that Joe Hart and the South Bend Cubs are dealing with right now. The minor league baseball season, as we expected, officially canceled yesterday. I don't think most people understand how hand-to-mouth minor league baseball operates. There are not deep reserves. Many of the minor league baseball teams are right now are suing their insurance companies who have not provided insurance payments. Um, As it was explained to me, by people, the insurance company asked, well, is your stadium okay? Is there some sort of structural defect where your stadium? Well, no, that's not why we're not playing. But the insurance company is trying to present it. Well, if your facilities are fine and your people are fine, there's no reason you can't play. However, obviously there's a reason. Have they not turned on a TV? But that's that's the stance the insurance companies are taking because, let's face it, the insurance companies are going to take a bath in this Yes, if they have to pay every minor league team. Meanwhile, the minor league teams are saying, we can't make revenue because of the pandemic and we need our insurance payments in order to avoid complete calamity. The other problem for minor league baseball right now is the agreement, the professional baseball agreement between Major League Baseball and the minor leagues ends September 30th. Major League Baseball feels that many minor league baseball facilities, especially at the lower level, and that would include the Midwest League, are not up to snuff and endanger you know, you go out and you draft a kid. Let's let's take the Tigers, for example. They just signed Spencer Torkelson yesterday, their number one draft pick of the draft. And I think he gets something like $6 million a year. You're investing $6 million a year into somebody. And you're going to have them play in basically a cow pasture, which many of these minor league facilities are not kept up nearly as well as what we see in South Bend or Fort Wayne. We yeah. are we are very we're blessed <laughs> in Indiana to have two of the premier minor league Class A facilities here. But you go to Beloit, you go to Clinton, you go to Burlington, maybe the home of the Timber Rattlers up in Wisconsin, those aren't good ballparks. And Major League Baseball wants to close those operations. They had talked even before the pandemic about trimming 40 teams out of minor league baseball. That's a quarter of minor league baseball. Now you're hearing it might be half. Now you're hearing it could be 80 teams unless Congress were to step up and make some sort of economic infusion into minor league baseball. And I can 
and I know you're a sports fan if you're listening to this, but try to put yourself in the mindset of a non-sports fan who says, wait a minute, you need to invest millions of dollars into minor league baseball rather than healthcare, education, whatever. Yeah. And you can see their point. Now, Minor League Baseball creates an economic environment for communities. It helps bring people downtown. It helps restaurants. It helps communities. Look what it's done for South Bend with the investment, a lot of it private investment, of Andrew Berlin. So that's the argument Minor League Baseball makes is, hey, we are good for towns. And they come to Major League Baseball and they say, we are good for your game as well. And you should be investing some money into this. Yes. So this is the... This is the clash going on right now that most people aren't aware of, but really puts the game in jeopardy somewhat. And then you think of these, okay, somebody like Nico Cavadas, who has been on the show before, or Riley Tirada, a local player who goes to the University of Dayton. They weren't drafted this year, so they're going back to college for their senior season. They're going to... They hope to be able to play their senior season. <laughs> at their college. Yeah. At their college. They hope to be able to do that and then get drafted next year. But now, if there's only half the number of teams or three-quarters of the teams drafting, that affects the pool of money as well. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a long list of ramifications. For this, this is quite the ripple effect of a cannonball. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's the baseball side of the story right now. A couple of quick baseball headlines. Let's mm-hmm. do those two while we're in the world of baseball. Uh, Andy Masur, is that his name? Andy Mazur. Mazur, sorry. Andy Mazur uh, is going to be the new voice of the Chicago White Sox on radio. He'll be paired with Darren Jackson. Uh, some people may remember way back, Andy was a pregame show host for the Cubs. He has been a pregame host for the White Sox for the last couple of years, and he's filled in. Ed Farmer had... Uh, kidney ailment for a long, long time, and Ed would have to miss games for treatments and things like that. And so Andy would fill in, and he would do usually an inning on any game, but then there were games where he had to do more. And he was the voice of the Padres on radio for about seven years. So he's he's an experienced guy, Chicago guy. He's been around the ball club. He'll do fine. He'll He'll be a nice addition to the booth. Up on the north side, a familiar name, Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward, uh, very classy man. Yesterday, his foundation, his family foundation that he has established, donated $100,000 to the University of Chicago Medicine to primarily let that money be used to help some of the frontline healthcare workers who have struggled here during the COVID pandemic. And then also that money will be used. Um, now, this is a little more controversial for con- contact tracing to be done on the south side of Chicago because they find that a lot of the uh, COVID problems happen in the poor communities. And if you look at a, a map of the economy of Chicago, a lot of the problems are on the south side. So they're trying to figure out, okay, what are the hot spots for COVID that we have to combat on the south side? University of Chicago Medicine is located in Hyde Park. That's a very nice area of the south side, but it's not far from Stony Island or uh, 
honestly, the the area where Guaranteed Rate Field is is not a great area of Chicago. Cabrini Green, is that right there? That's in that neighborhood. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. You want to segue into basketball, NBA? Yeah, we talked a little bit about the the problems going on right now in the NBA in terms of these players who are testing positive. Both Denver and Brooklyn have had multiple players test positive, and they had to close down their uh, practice facilities. Now these players are going to begin going to Orlando uh, to get into the bubble, as the NBA calls it, uh, to start working out and things like that. But as that happens, Adam Silver was asked yesterday, he's the NBA commissioner, and he was asked yesterday, what's going to happen if there's a COVID spread within the bubble? Obviously, they're expecting a few positive cases. And as we've discussed before, for an NBA player who doesn't have the underlying physical conditions that many of the older people who have who struggle with COVID, For an NBA player, COVID is not a death sentence. It's more of a, I have to rehab until I start getting negative tests. And once you get two negative tests in a row, you can go back with your team. However, if you get enough players who test positive for COVID, it really does diminish what the league can do. And and people have asked, it's one thing when a a Spencer Dinwiddie, who is a, a good player for the Brooklyn Nets, but you know, nobody looks at him as an all-star. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if he contracts COVID. Mm-hmm. It's another thing if LeBron gets it or some of the other big names in the league, Chris Paul. Uh, if these guys start coming down with COVID, then all of a sudden the league is less attractive to television and things like that. So Adam Silver said Look, if we get enough cases, if there's a surge within the bubble, then we obviously have to look at perhaps ending this. But right now, they're going down to Orlando with the idea of restarting the season on July 30th. So, if we can hang on for about three more weeks, kids, and all goes well, baseball starting July 23rd, NBA July 30th. From the moment the Last Dance documentary started till its final episode, I'm going to go out on a limb that each of us sports fans of any kind of level had the conversation of, okay, top 10, top 20 players of all time. I had that conversation probably five times with my own son. I think I've asked you three or four times. Let's hear your list. Uh, It's on social media a lot. So, you know, the the quick names that come to mind, at least in my lifetime, are Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. And then there's always the thought of who's next. You have a name. (laughs) I'd like to hear that name of who could be next. Imani Bates is a 16-year-old high school basketball player from Ypsilanti, Michigan. And he last year was the Gatorade National High School Player of the Year as a sophomore. He is in the college recruiting class of 2022. The way the rules read right now, you have to go to college for at least one year to be eligible for the NBA draft. Many people think if that rule was waived, Imani Bates could go right out of high school into the NBA 
and be a star as LeBron James was. The last time that happened? LeBron James. High school right into the NBA. Kobe did it. LeBron James did it. Sean Kemp, people say, did it, but he actually did play a year of junior college ball. But Kobe and LeBron went right from Kobe, Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. You know, you go to the prom in April. You go to the NBA draft in June. You play in the league in October. LeBron, St. Vincent High School in Akron. Go to the prom in May. NBA draft in June. Starring on Cleveland in October. They think Imani Bates is that good. Now, he has committed to Michigan State, and he would be the highest-ranked recruit that Michigan State has ever had, even surpassing Magic, who was much ballyhooed going to East Lansing. But this kid, and I haven't seen him other than you know highlights, which obviously anybody can make highlights look as good as they want, but... They say he can play. He did average 32 points a game last year. And Ypsilanti plays all of the the powerful teams in Detroit, and it didn't seem to phase this kid, and he's only a sophomore. I want to talk about the state to the north of us, but before I do, on this day in sports history, we did not get on this, into this sports sports quiz with the sports sports whiz. whiz. Yes. Uh, On this day in sports history, LeBron traveled from Cleveland to Los Angeles. And if you look at the U.S. map and you see a little airplane going from right to left, underneath it, it says $154 million. Yeah. 2018? Yeah. I think so. 2018, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I got an email last night from our school district kind of giving some bullet points on how this next school year is going to play out. We're supposed to get more details as the week progresses. Up in Michigan, the governor spoke yesterday. I know a lot of Michiganders were leaning into this speech, hearing what could possibly be next for them. Governor Holcomb in Indiana and Governor Whitmer in Michigan have two distinctly different thoughts in terms of high school sports. Governor Holcomb has given his blessing to the IHSAA for a calendar that begins on Monday to allow teams to begin to work out July 6th to July 19th. Unofficial practices, social distancing required. Then everything pointing to fans being able to be in the stands August 15th, which is why you're seeing many teams move their scrimmages from the 14th to the 15th so that they can begin taking in ticket revenue with social distancing. And a season, a football season, to begin August 21st, Elkhart versus Concord on TV 46. Again, social distancing in the stands. Governor Whitmer in Michigan made this recommendation to the MHSAA yesterday, the Michigan High School Athletic Association, that the entire spring and fall sports calendars be flipped. She says football and volleyball do not allow for enough social distancing during competitions. Obviously, football, when the idea is to tackle the person with the ball, there's no social distancing going on there. Volleyball, you've been to volleyball matches. Players are Maybe at the start of the play are six feet apart, but they sure aren't as the play goes on. 
Right. Our thought being, let's move those sports to the spring and take the spring sports, which are primarily individual sports with the exception of baseball and softball, and move those to the fall. On the surface, it doesn't sound like the most terrible idea. I I get the thought process that she's using. And again, we don't talk politics on this show, and I'm not going to get into anybody's thoughts on Gretchen Whitmer or Eric Holcomb. I can only tell you from a logistics standpoint what all of this would mean. And from a logistics standpoint, first of all, the MHSAA says, okay, well, we're going to talk to our coaches and our ADs and the health officials, and we're going to make a decision by July 25th. And practices in Michigan, I believe, are supposed to start like about August 10th. So that gives you 16 days to re-scramble things. And that's just saying, okay, the football team's not practicing, the baseball team is. And on the surface, that doesn't sound that difficult either. Then you have to have the schedules realigned. You have to take that schedule that you have for the spring and realign it to the fall. Yes. You have to get umpires. You have to get all the logistics in place. And let's say that all happens. And baseball or softball season begins on the same day that high school football was to begin in Michigan, which is August 28th. If you started the season then and you had what is typically the normal baseball and softball season plus playoffs, that would push out 11 weeks. That puts you in the middle of November playing your championship baseball and softball games. And what frequently happens by the middle of November in Michigan? Snow. Thank you. Big time. So you've got that to contend with. Then let's take what would happen with football because that's the big elephant in the room. Well, are you going to start football while basketball is still going on? You would certainly have to begin the workouts as teams start to atrophy from the basketball tournament. But let's say the first week of the basketball tournament is held and you say, okay, the Monday after the first week of the basketball tournament, since most of the basketball teams have been eliminated, you can start practicing. That means your football season probably doesn't start your first games probably don't start until April 1st. Well, a nine-week season, which is what Michigan has now, and a five-week playoff, which is what Michigan has now, even though everybody doesn't make the playoff in Michigan. That's how long the playoff typically lasts. A 14-game season that starts in April would push you to the middle of July. From a logistical standpoint, I just don't see this working. I understand the thought process behind it, and obviously the health and safety of kids is paramount. There's no question about that, but I don't see how you're going to be able to have your cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. I just don't see how that's going to work. But uh, obviously it's not my decision. It's the Michigan High School Athletic Association's decision. I just don't see them complying with the governor's wishes here. Which wouldn't make them alone in Michigan, by the way. (laughs) Or Indiana, for that matter. Right. 
So that's what's going on in the sports world on this Wednesday, July 1st. Crazy, crazy days. Wow. I mean, you're seeing revolutions in your industry, the music industry. Oh, yeah. The the pivot to, all right, let's try drive-in movie theaters. And now the mainstream world is catching up to that as quickly as possible. But they're only doing virtual drive-in theaters, putting the artist on the screen, which I'll still take that at home over I would getting together with anybody. Yeah. Because it's, in my opinion, this is a respiratory thing. What do you do when you get together with a bunch of people at concerts? You scream and yell. And sing. And you're shooting that stuff into the air next to each other. Right. You know, there was some uh, video footage from over the weekend of a country artist that said, you know, fly the bird to the common sense and common decency. And it's like, come on. So, I mean, I want this thing to get figured out, but I might be watching TV 46 this fall. Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that's you know? very possible. Now, uh, I know there is one group in Christian music for King and Country that is yeah. starting at drive-through theaters yeah. or drive-in drive-in theaters. theaters this Saturday night, Fourth of July. So people, fam, and you would assume the people are families, and yes. not an intermingling of families, but families. You have to stay in your square, like when you go to a drive-in, and they have the the post with a box, right? Who stay in their car. And You're allowed to get out with a lawn chair if you want to, okay. but you got to stay in your area. So they're kicking in the six-foot deal. Hopefully you put a mask on with that many people. I'll be curious to see how that goes. We're going. Are you? Yeah. Well, then next Sports Shack, I'll expect a report back. You know me. I like to see how the sausage is made. Oh, I mean, yes. And you heard from Luke this morning. He doesn't even know. Some of the logistics. He just knows I need to be here at this time, and we're doing this, and, you know, are they putting you up on the screen? No idea. You know, there's a lot of logistics in that. Uh, One of our other artists, Toby Mack, has, he's probably about six shows into this now, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm I'm decent acquaintances with some of his bandmates, and they said they've kind of had to slum it down a little bit. Sure. No dressing room. Right. No catering. So everything's brought, everything's on the bus, they're together, that type of thing. Okay, you'll be fine. But it's been working out. Well, I've had many people ask me what the Notre Dame press box is going to look like this year. And I have absolutely no idea what that is going to be like. Hmm. I've heard rumors. I don't wish to discuss rumors on here. We always like to bring you facts. Uh, so the Notre Dame press box and what Notre Dame football is going to look like, I still don't know. I don't know that they know for sure. I'll go out on a limb here since I was invited for the first time this last season. You could do the six feet thing in there. You fine tune a who you're letting sit. Well, in there. yeah, obviously you could, you, and then you space it out. You could winnow it out, yes, somewhat. Yeah, but then there's also little huddles of like. You get a lot of people together that are supposed to be there. I think of that row kind of behind you, right up over your shoulder, where so it's like writers. boom, 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 boom. You just have to really. But some of those places have three or four writers from the same organization. Yeah, may have to be winnowed down to one. Now, I say that, and the casual fan goes, "Well, sure, you know that sounds fine to me." Except if that's how you make your money. 
Yeah. By churning out all this information and you believe it honestly takes you this amount of people to churn out all the information to fill the publication, then you're sitting there saying, well, no, that's unacceptable. And, and I get that. So so many moving pieces. These are the things. Speaking of Notre Dame football, condolences to the family of Lou Holtz and the matriarch of that family, Beth Holtz, passed away yesterday afternoon. Beth was very active when she was here in the area behind the scenes. Uh, wonderful host at her home. Uh, was on a number of boards, including one that I participated on at the Women's Care Center. She had endured a great deal. 80 three radiation treatments on mm. her throat cancer that she was diagnosed with while Lou was still here. So that's how long she lived with it. And Lou uh, always always told the joke that uh, he didn't pray for his wife, he prayed to her. And <laughs> that will now certainly be the case. And our condolences to the family of Lou Holtz. Well, if you haven't yet, it'd be great if you hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode of this podcast on whatever platform you choose to use. It'd be great if you threw us a review. That's always very helpful. We appreciate that feedback. Chuck, you're on Twitter, right? At 46 Sports. I basically am super lazy, and I retweet him via the Sports Yak Twitter as well. What's wrong with that? Thanks for listening, and until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Charlie Huff, and you rich man, Bobby Bonilla. Give you. me that money! We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Sports Yak archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.